People always ask me to explain what I feel here. I always struggle to answer them. It's an excitement that takes over you. Seeing friends that you may only see once a year. Creating friendships with strangers over music that most people have never heard. It's common to hear, it changed my life. But it does. It's something you need to experience for yourself. I don't come here to escape reality. I come here to expand on it. You're listening to the Summer Camp Music Festival Podcast with your host, Camp Counselor Derek. Ahoy, campers. This is it. We are in the week of Summer Camp 2017. Uh, That intro you heard was Christina Gilbert from an awesome summer camp promo video created by uh, happened by chance and thanks to them for sharing and of course you can check out that full video on youtube uh, a couple quick notes uh, now is a good time to update the app the app has a lot of useful information on there it's really helpful ahead of time i still stand by i like the paper schedule at the festival uh, but the the app can send you notifications and do all kinds of things if you don't have problem keeping your phone charged all weekend Ah, the weather. Okay, campers, rise and shine. And don't forget your booties, because it's cold out there today. It's cold out there every day. Well, it's currently Saturday night before camp, and like y'all, I've been checking the weather daily, and no matter what I say here, the forecast is going to change about six more times at least. That said... I think it's safe to say we have about a 50-50 chance of some rain over the four days. Uh, So, you know, in case we do have some rain, here's a couple quick tips. Uh, Bring a couple extra Ziploc bags and and keep them handy uh, to throw your phone and your money and your wallet in there. That way, if you get caught out in the rain in the middle of a show, you can pop that stuff in, in the Ziploc bag and you don't have to worry about your phone getting destroyed. Uh, This may be fairly obvious, but stake down your tents. I I think sometimes people get there and uh, they pop their tents and they start partying. And uh, just before you start partying, stake down your tents because when it gets windy, those things will fly around. Uh, And and canopies too. Canopies are good for uh, both uh, shade from the sun if it's real hot and uh, a little bit of shelter from the rain so you don't have to be cooped up in your tent if it's raining. Um, I've also found an air mattress can be a nice savior from wet ground. Uh, it's nice to keep uh, some of your stuff up on, on that in case the uh, ground gets real wet around your tent. It doesn't hurt to have a dry bag, uh, the kind that you would take rafting. Uh, I would say keep an extra pair of shoes in the car. Keep a backup pair of shoes in the car. In, th- in case things get really muddy and your shoes do end up getting destroyed for some reason, uh, you're, you know, it, it's nice to be able to go get a fresh change of shoes. Um, so that's key. Uh, I, try, I try to keep an extra tarp on hand. Um, sometimes that can help redirect real heavy rain. And uh, as for the hot, well, uh, you know, stay hydrated, bring sunscreen, maybe some aloe. A lot of people like to have bandanas to protect themselves from the dust. Um, I honestly don't have a problem with that. Uh, so all that said, a um, couple more things. You know, b- before you leave the house, uh, check your brake lights. Check your headlights, check your license plate registration light, that little light that's over your license plate. Uh, Throw on some normal clothes, Uh, keep your stuff packed below the windows if you can, and you know, just be smart on the road, don't give them a reason. And, uh, of course, a little housekeeping here. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Android, Carrier Pigeon, Tin Can and a Wire, 
single earbud hanging from a glory hole. Wherever you get your podcasts, uh, please subscribe. And of course, you can always email me at podcast at summercampfestival.com. And uh, so we're going to move on to our guest. Now, I know I've explained this before, and I'm assuming that if you're just tuning in for the interview for Matt Butler, you probably already know the concept of the Everyone Orchestra. Uh, but this little clip is for people that don't. I pulled this from uh, Matt's website as a quick explanation. Over the past 10 years, Everyone Orchestra has created one-of-a-kind improvisational musical performances in front of more than 150,000 people. Each performance unique and co-created in the moment by the musicians and the conductor. EO is about creating community and friendships as much as it is about creating spectacular music. And hundreds and hundreds of musicians have participated in the ever-rotating cast. To conduct, I use dry erase boards, signs, and hand signals to convey specific key changes and ideas for the musicians. I call solos, create dynamic changes, sharp endings, powerful beginnings, and engage the audience to participate and sing and clap and be part of the creation. It's all about exploring together and embracing the musical moment. So here we go with the interview. Stick around after it for the Jam of the Week. Hey everyone, I'm here with Matt Butler, the creator and conductor of the Everyone Orchestra. How you doing today, Matt? I'm doing very good, thank you. All right. Um, I'm starting off and I am asking everyone as a first standard first question, what was your first concert? My first concert? Like rock concert? Yeah, first concert or first concert that had an impact on you. Some sometimes those are different answers. You know, it's interesting. You know, my mom uh is a professional musician and I grew up uh she's a violinist and, and she recently re- retired, but she played for forty eight years in the Eugene Symphony. And before I could walk, she would take me to rehearsals and I would stand up in like, you know, my, my bassinet and just stare at the percussion. And I, or very, very early on, I was playing, you know, along with the timpani, along with any of the percussion, just keeping the beat. And so, you know, that wasn't a concert, but definitely, you know, I'm a drummer and uh, I kind of view everything through drummers eyes and ears and everything has a rhythmic value to it whether and i just kind of relate to life that way so you know that was uh uh, extremely you know and i went to hundreds of of symphonic concerts growing up um but i would say that one of my one of my earliest most profound concerts that i went to was um stop making sense yeah some some smaller concerts uh prior to that but that was like the first like large theater thing that my my parents let me go to uh, with a friend, and you know I was a fan of of Talking Heads, but I had just started to get kind of into their catalog, and that concert changed my life for sure. Yeah, Talking Heads is a good one. That'll be fun to cut in. Yeah, and like Bernie Worrell, man, he rocked my world. times you remember thinking maybe I might like to do this you know I was already a musician I was already playing and stuff but I think that it was it it really cemented uh kind of my commitment to like you know I want to be on stage I really want to be on stage 
And uh, so that kind of brings me to, uh, in fact, we just talked right before I started recording. Uh, you live in Oregon. Is Have you lived there your whole life? Uh, grew up in Eugene, Oregon, and went to college uh, down in San Diego. And then that's where I uh, formed Jam Bay. And we toured all over the U.S. for like, I guess, seven years. And then uh, we actually lived in Seattle for three of those. And then, um, or for San Diego for two, Seattle for three, and then we ended up in the Bay Area for after that. And I lived in the Bay Area in Marin um, from like 95, yeah, 95 until 2002. And then I moved back up to Oregon uh, with my wife in 2002. Gotcha. Yeah, and uh, Jambay was something I wanted to ask you about because I I really didn't know much about it until I started uh, cyber-stalking you for this interview. And as I was starting college, you were on stage uh, at New Year's with Ken Kesey. That had to be a trip. Yeah, we had a um, a really good relationship with Ken. Uh, one day, I just I had this. I just believed in Jam Bay, and I believed that what we needed was we needed to open up for the Grateful Dead. And I knew that Ken had a you know a relationship with the Grateful Dead, and I knew the Grateful Dead was going to be playing at Autzen Stadium in Eugene, and I just thought, God, I wonder if we could somehow get that opening slot. You know, I mean, I have you know at this point, I'm I'm booking like teeny little cafes, and we're busking around, um, and you know, Ken knew my my mom and Ken had somewhat of a relationship. Uh, he was a guest conductor at the Eugene Symphony for various. Um, fundraisers and stuff I think he uh you know he was an inspiring cat but anyway I called him up and I just said you know Ken I have a band uh that I really believe is the next big thing and we need to open up for the Grateful Dead can you help us out and he said well um I can't guarantee that I can set that up but um the Grateful Dead has offered the uh, pranksters um, a slot at Austin Stadium at the, their next time to come along. So one of those, there's a three-day run. One day they're going to give uh, the stage up for the pranksters uh, to open up. And we're having a party on 4th of July out of Bab's house, and it's an open mic. And the winner of the open mic gets to be the band that comes on stage with the pranksters at that thing. And I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that's exactly what, what I wanted to hear or something. So... So we we changed all of our touring plans at the moment. I mean, we're we're really you know a ragtag fleet of jam jam kids at this point, right out of college. And uh, we won the open mic. We crushed it, and people loved us. And we we made some friendships uh, that day that are still going on uh, currently. And we definitely we we really connected with Ken. And for the next like three four years, we were kind of living with him on and off. Um, he created this, uh, this play called Twister, which was this, it was kind of a fiasco. I mean, it was not his best work. It was fun. It was an interactive thing. It was a play, um, on, um, uh, Wizard of Oz that he, you know, his own kind of take on the end of the world and Wizard of Oz. And, you know, we were the pit band we opened up the show acoustic and then we play electric and then we play an electric set afterwards and we supported all the music in between and we got to know Ken a lot then. So and he would come and sit in with us at New Year's, and that was, you know, that, I think the New Year's one that you probably heard is right after Jerry died. Yeah. Um, and he he read the letter, you know, to Jerry, and uh, you know, it was super moving. Okay. It starts out. Hey, Jer, what's happened? I caught your funeral. Weird. Big Steve was good, and Crispin, sweet sounds. But what really stood out, stands out is the thundering silence, the lack, the absence of that golden Garcia lead line, of that familiar slick flick with the uptwist at the end, that merry snake twining through the woodpile, flickering in and out of the loosely stacked cords, a wriggling mystery, bright and slick as fire, suddenly gone. And the silence left in its wake was, is, positively ear-splitting. Now they want me to say something about that absence, dear. Tell some backstage story, share some poignant reminiscence. But I have to tell you, man, I find myself considerably disinclined. I mean, why go against the grain of such an eloquent silence? 
and uh, yeah, he was a, a profound impact on us and, and me. And, and as, you know, as his days were winding down, I was definitely dialoguing with him about everyone in orchestra because I was really interested in how the, one of the things that interested me about what he was trying to do with Twister for better or worse, he didn't always accomplish it, was trying to get the audience to interact and be present enough to like interact kind of on cue with the band. And not just, you know, in, not just like in a call and response kind of way. I mean, that was part of it, but even in a, in a deeper way throughout the show, you know, and, and, uh, uh, and I was just fascinated with that because when it worked, it was really magical. That third wall between the stage and the audience was busted down. And it was just like we were all, it was much, it was different, it was different than the audience watching the band and having the container feel like that and feeling like the band and the audience were in one container and they were just all together in this moment, you know, in a different way. And that was just something that, you know, I was working on developing. I was really committed to figuring out ways to make that moment happen easier, more often and more musically um, than I've ever experienced it. And that really is kind of like where the inception of everyone orchestra kind of came from, and I've been kind of, you know, trying to refine and look at ways to do that ever since. So when you you were in San Francisco, right when you when you started it, is that my wife and I lived out uh, in San Geronimo Valley, just uh, west of uh, you know San Rafael and Fairfax. Okay. And did you how, how did you structure that? I mean, uh, did you did did you call it an open mic or? Well, I was actually I was I was hosting I was facilitating drum circles separate, you know, not EO, but just drum circles. I was hosting an open mic that would start with the drum circle, then we'd do the open mic, and at the end we'd jam. And often I would either end up on guitar, you know, playing rhythm guitar or playing drums at the end for the jam. Um, and it, there wasn't conducting yet. Um, I was kind of leading from whatever instrument I was on. I was definitely cueing and dynamics I was, I was driving uh, but the, the idea of conductor hadn't quite landed in my, in my lap yet, except for in drum circle work. Um, and the open mic was just like everybody sharing. And I just love that. And that's something I, I still bring out in EO this day is making sure that everybody on stage gets a chance to kind of lead something or just to shine in their own way, you know, um, in a really authentic kind of raw way. You know, I asked them to make something up not necessarily to bring a song. I, some, you know, we have done that in the past, but really the crux of what EO is is improvisation and getting people to use their instruments and their musicality to kind of speak the language of music, not necessarily to, to, to you know, regurgitate a, a pre, pre-written tune, you know, which is a beautiful thing too. It's just like that's just a different thing. Um, and, uh, you know, eventually really the, the first few, the, the very first everyone orchestra, which ironically I, I, did, I was not able to, participate in because my appendix popped oh no kidding yeah uh you know the idea was there was many leaders many conductors uh the set list was a giant piece of paper behind the band that anybody could write anything on so you know and zach gill from alo um zach and steve uh and greg anton from zero and mike sugar from jam bay kind of they ended up kind of leading that night since i was laid up uh, and we, you know, are leading up to that, we had a couple of rehearsals getting the concept kind of, you know, ironed out a little bit and it was just very collective. It was very spontaneous. There was mostly songs, but there was jams and it gave everybody a chance to lead. And, you know, it just, it, it's evolved from there. And, you know, Zambieland was a big influence. Um, uh, you know, uh, John Zorn was a big influence, um, kind of, in a, in a way like, okay, this is what I don't want to be like in some respects. I mean, I have a deep respect for John and all the stuff that he's created, but I, I just don't, it doesn't move me, his music. Like, like, you know, I'm, uh, I'm more lyrically oriented. It's like, I, I love when people sing along and stuff like that. And, and, and a lot of his conducting techniques are, are just super musically challenging and geared more towards, you know, uh, you know, music heads and musicians that are really deeply into, you know, music theory and that sort of thing. And so you kind of brought it over into the jam world. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, you know, I didn't know how to articulate what I was aiming for back then, but I'm very clear now that what I'm trying to do, my intent is to compose music with groups 
using improvisation as the tool to get there and the and the role of the conductor to kind of like you know to 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 facilitate to conduct to and to produce the moment in a sense does that make sense yeah totally yeah I, I mean, I've seen everyone orchestra evolve from, uh, I saw, I first saw you early 2000s at a street festival in Chicago. And uh, yeah. what I've seen the last couple of years at summer camp is, I hesitate to say a whole new band, because I know it's a whole new band every time, but it, it, a different experience even from, from back then. Yeah, totally. I mean, I've been on a journey to kind of teach the musicians the concept to get beyond some of the normal concepts of jamming that we that we do day in day out, and to, and to also kind of teach the audience like this is what we're doing, you know, it is it's like it's definitely it's it's different. It's different enough that you have to step back and go, what's going on? Oh, okay, they're making the music up. They really are making it up. That's why the musicians yeah. are looking at each other in the eyes. Some kind of sometimes they're surprising, and you know, sometimes there's a, a train wreck, so to speak, you know. But from that train wreck, something evolves, and you know, it's just it's it's a it's a shift, and I and I've definitely I've experienced it many over and over again where musicians or audience members they get that moment where they understand what's going on, and they're like, oh oh okay, I get it now, you know, and <laughs> it it no matter how many times I explain the concept, we get there, do it until they're actually in it, doing it, feeling it, creating it, you know, it doesn't necessarily always click with people, so. I mean, I remember the, I'll never forget the look that, you know, Bob Weir kind of gave me, you know, just like he just, he gave me this like, holy shit kind of look like, oh, I see what you're doing. I get it. I didn't know, I didn't know that was, that was uh, something you could do, but it's so obvious, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it's kind and of a so funny you, look. And so you got to bring it around from instead of getting to open for the dead, you essentially got to play with the dead. <laughs> right, exactly, kind of. Um, well, that's fantastic. I, I I can't imagine. I mean, how how exciting it was when when that you know when it clicked for him in that moment for you. I I, I know that. Um, and for our listeners, I had the chance to guest conduct last year, so I got to be you for a song, and um, I I can see how the experience has evolved. Just I'm I'm sure you've just learned so much in not only doing it for so many years, but working with so many different kinds of musicians and, yeah, and knowing no. what works and what doesn't. And, and, and by the way, thanks again. It was such a great experience to, uh, to, to meet all those people and, and to be a part of that and to, um, just, and, and to study you and see, you know, I, I, when I've watched you before, I haven't really, really considered, you know, every motion you're making or what you're writing. And, and uh, that was something I had to do in that show to, to be able to carry a song through. But... choosing the band is it uh just from relationships you've built or people you like people you're excited to play with it's a combination of everything i mean <clears throat> conceptually uh part of the concept uh is to build community 
um, and to create, you know, uh, to create a place that fosters, you know, relationships, friendships, and, 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 a, and a great place to, uh, for just personalities to collide and interact. And I, I have a team that I, that I, that we build the lineups with now. Um, you know, it's mainly me and my managers. Um, but we collaborate with other musicians, with other promoters. Uh, we have a booking agent. We collaborate with him. You know, there's like we have some some managers of other bands. Like, see how much it brings like creative juices and like enthusiasm to their musicians. So they're very active and like, hey, you know, so and so would love to get on a run. And so we just look, we're mixing it up that way. So it's it's a bit random because it's kind of it's you know the first thing is like who's available when and where. And then we kind of go and we build it. You know, often there's an anchor. You know, there's a band that's at a festival that uh, there's two or three players there that are, you know, have done EO and they're totally into it. And then we can kind of build it from there. We know we got a solid base, you know. Um, you know, I, I always want to have a solid base and then build it from there. And having some new people involved every time is, is, is you know, prerogative or having a, a new mix of people, even if they've all done it before, like bringing just a lot of different people together that haven't played together in a way. It's like, you know, like this and this coming weekend, I'm uh, doing three shows with uh, Jason Hahn, uh, Zach Deputy, Steve Kimock, and Andrew, and uh, uh, Tim Carbone from Railroad Earth. And it's just a super. It's a very small lineup. We actually we had Holly Bowling on the last night, but uh, it's yeah, a super that. small. But it's very. It's a. It's a. It's a real. It's a. It's a. It's a. An eclectic mix of fucking musical geniuses, <laughs> you know. So, and I'm like, I don't need 50 people for this one. You know, these guys all have so many bags of tricks to pull from that it's gonna be. It's gonna be super fun and unique, and you know. As long as it has that thing that kind of really sparks my interest and excitement, I'm, I'm, it can, it can, it can be many, many different things. You know, I just did one in uh, uh, a bluegrass everyone orchestra to kind of like cap off the Winter Wondergrass Festival down in Tahoe, and you know that was completely different than what I'm doing out there on the on the East Coast. But it was like it was one of the best ever, and I guess I, you know. Somebody always, I'm always asked, like, what was your favorite everyone orchestra? And it's pretty much usually the last one that I just did, um, <laughs> in the sense that they're all so unique. It's kind of apples and oranges to compare them, you know. And, you know, I think some of my least favorite ones are simply based on, like, oh, the sound was hard. The band couldn't hear each other, stuff like that, you know. It's yeah. th those, those things make it difficult to accomplish our goal. Um, but you know, we're pretty much above that threshold production wise. Well, I'm glad to hear that you have, uh, managers working with you because I, what I kept thinking and it was, I guess it was kind of a question, but is that the, the, the coordination of all these artists has to be maddening. I mean, just the amount of emailing back and forth and, and who, who's available, what time and how can we work this out? Yeah, it's uh, what makes it beautiful, special, and unique. Definitely makes it somewhat of a headache in the kind of in the on the business end of things. Um, and I've I've definitely come to realize that. And you know, we do about fifty shows a year, and you know, I'm involved. The the you know the, the three of us, me, uh, Chris, Brian, and I, who basically run Everyone Orchestra, we all kind of take turns running with shows different ends of things you know we have our specialties of what we what we lead in but we're like the lineups are kind of a group effort somebody might lead the whole lineup but everybody else is chiming in along the way um sometimes we're all thrown in three players each and it kind of just comes together magically you know it's all different ways but uh you know there's no way to simplify it for what we've created at this point you know we've created a monster and it's a beautiful <laughs> monster and I, I, I think I really, I believe so deeply that it's really important work. It goes beyond just being a band, throwing something out there, writing a good song or something. I just think that it actually, I, you know, I'm kind of on a, a musical spiritual mission with it. And I just, I just believe in it, you know, and I'll do it till I die. <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of music boot camp for other, for other people too, or, or I should say a like creativity boot camp. It is. I mean, and that's that's 
part of my intent. You know, uh, that's you know that's why Al Schneer comes back again and again. <laughs> you know, because I think he leaves and everyone orchestra run a recording session and goes and writes a few songs every time. You know, it's just like it. It definitely, it's uh, it gets your. It's like a if you've if you've ever done like market research or you know stuff like that where there somebody's trying to come up with a bunch of ideas for a you know product or a brand and they're just like getting people to throw out ideas and i'm an art director so i i have that experience every exactly. year or two <laughs> in a sense this is kind of like it's like it's like an active brainstorming you know uh session especially when you do like multiple days it kind of gets you in that mode and you know my role as conductor is to you know is to kind of tailor the the ideas that come out and then grab a few of them and then have the band kind of play around with them a few times and, and then insert dynamics and in a little bit of form, you know, that, that is totally spontaneous. Uh, so it seems like it's all kind of magic. It's always kind of interesting to when I see the lineups, I'm always curious how certain people will fit in, you know, oh, like, yeah. like, like you mentioned Holly Bowling. Like, like, yeah. a great interview with her uh, for the listeners also. There's a great interview with her, a two-part interview on Under the Scales, which is the Tom Marshall podcast. Um, and and getting in her head and how she creates all all the things that she does, yeah. Um, but I that she's one that I, I you know I wonder how that fits into the mix and uh, I you know I I was I, I, I hesitate to use a skeptical but I know a lot of you know I don't I I didn't know all of her background going into it I knew that she did all these solo things and you know I've known uh, kind of like orchestral players they can either play written music or they can play solo music but they're not yeah, necessarily exactly. players that play in a group. Dude, Holly kicks ass. <laughs> she is incredible. She was so fun. One of my, you know, just so fun to play with on every level. And I'm so happy that we had that experience. And, you know, that weekend that we did three, we did four shows, actually. We did three Everyone Orchestra shows. And then we did one Everyone's Dead show where I got to play drums and, you know, Teal on bass and Holly on keys and Anders on lap steel and wow. Jeff Mosher playing the banjo. It's just so fun. And, and, and it was like, uh, so I got a little bit of everything, you know, from what 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 she can do, and and she's fully versatile, and I get I, I get it, I get why she's really her stars rising. She's got something really special, and it goes beyond just playing fish covers, you know. That's that's just that's just an entree into who Holly Bowling is. She's she's way, you know, her her palette is broad. at large at festivals for years to come yeah you know she could form a band and kick ass that way too i mean she i think she can do whatever she wants yeah i mean it like i said the, listening to her on the podcast it's it, it was kind of interesting to hear that i i imagined her when i first heard some of the stuff uh to be a, a by the note off the sheet kind of musician but uh -huh. then it, it, it sounds like she kind of has two modes that she, yeah. she has that where she's you know scores all the stuff and then and writes out all the music and and her brain works in that way for those for those gigs and then it, it also sounds like she's a great improviser as well. Yeah, she is. She's totally great and great listener. She's a totally great listener. Um, so I, I suppose eventually we should talk about summer camp um, since we're already approaching our our uh, our half hour limit here. Um, do you have a lineup yet? Are you? Yeah. Uh, well, it's, are you able to talk about that? It's developing. I do have a lineup. Um, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. Just the, a logistical question. A lot of there's a few logistical questions out there, so I won't tell you the people that are on the fence just due to logistics. But I do have a lineup to start with. 
right. Um, and, you know, I'll show that. Uh, so um, I'm grabbing uh, Michelangelo on drums from, from Turquoise, uh, Josh on sax and vocals from Turquoise, and then Shira on vocals. Uh, and I've done a bunch of shows recently with Josh and Shira and just have had a blast on the lyrical front. And I also have uh, Dave Brandwine, the lead singer, lead guitarist for Turquoise. Um, coming out, and he's a EO virgin, so this is going to be his his first ever um, EO. Mr. Schneer is going to join us again, kind of a tradition. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I pondered kind of mixing it up, but I wanted to bring him back. Um, I, you know, and I we can talk about it in a second. I'm collaborating directly with Mo on Friday at summer camp. Yep, that's another topic I want to cover. And then uh, I have uh, Mark. Brownstein on bass and Aaron Megner on keys from Disco Biscuits. Awesome. And uh, Allie Crawl on violin. All right. She's gotten a lot of love on this podcast, so I won't say anything more about her. Awesome. <laughs> um, wow, that's a heck of a lineup. There's other players in the in the mix that uh, that I can't announce currently, but you know, it's it's always a large one. Just the make a difference is it's it's all about community. Uh, so, you know, I try to incorporate a lot of people as much as the stage will fit as much as it musically can handle. And there's a few other people that I'm working on just trying to figure out the final logistics. Awesome. And, uh, well, let's, let's talk about make a difference since you brought that up. Sure. Um, so, uh, I guess the listeners should know that to, will it be the same this year that the, the listeners can get into the everyone orchestra show by doing the make a difference treasure hunt? Is that still planned? It, it is. You know, the idea, I, I've always tried to have uh, a, a, some sort of cause awareness or funder, uh, fundraising aspect or some sort of connection with what Everyone Orchestra is about because it is about community. And the idea with uh, Make a Difference is the way you get into this magical show is you go and interact with the various nonprofits um, <clears throat> that are at the Make a Difference um, area and you get your passport signed or your treasure hunt uh, stamped, you know. So mm -hmm. basically trying to get people to interact with the incredible nonprofits that are there. And uh, as a reward, they get to come to the special show. La and last year is pretty much sold out. Yeah, it was, it seemed pretty full in there. It was packed. Uh, maybe at the end they let, they just kind of open the doors and let people in. But definitely at the beginning, it was like, it was all the way full. Yeah, I, I, it was probably after I conducted, everybody just cleared out. <laughs> dude, not even, dude. I mean, yeah. no, I, I'm totally kidding. And 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 if they did leave early, I just um, right before we got on the phone, I I keep thinking I wanted to hear the last song from that show last year. Uh -huh. and, I, and I searched on on YouTube and I couldn't find it. And then I remembered I had a video camera running behind the stage so I mean the video is awful on it but I got to hear the song and it brought chills all over again and I will play a little bit of that right here
was just a, an incredible experience. And oh, getting back to the make a difference though, um, the pro uh, the program the uh, that you could that you get for the festival, I believe on the back of the card on the back of the program is a card that has uh, the treasure hunt items. Yep. And you know it's anything from uh, participate in the make a difference raffle. Uh, bring recycling and compost bags to the to the center, um, and then there's also some instant ways. Uh, the participate in any nonprofit drive or uh, register to vote with headcount, or volunteer for the volunteer team. So just kind of giving people some options. It's uh, it's pretty easy to get into the show. It's not like you have to commit your whole weekend to. No, uh, <laughs> it, you know, just a little something to kind of activate people. That's the idea, and it kind of raises awareness too about some of the groups and some of the charities. Exactly. Well, that is very exciting. And uh, you also mentioned the Mo EO show. Uh, yeah. what, what can we expect from that? Well, so a, a few times in my career, I have conducted just a band. And it's much different than when I conduct an orchestra of you know random musicians in the sense that when, when I'm putting together a, a group of people that don't usually play together, I'm kind of I'm, I'm constructing the music uh, from the improvisation. Sometimes when I'm when I've conducted a band, it's almost like I'm deconstructing what they already have, you know, and kind of pushing them into a different zone, maybe outside their comfort zone, and seeing what can evolve, you know. Um, I've you know kind of become like a fifth member of a few different bands in this process, almost like they have like a uh, you know a special pedal that's the conductor pedal, and they kick that on, and then I can take them someplace, and that's kind of the concept is that. Um, uh, you know, all the guys in Mo have done EO off and on for years, and you know, some of them more than others. Um, one of the first times I did it, I was really just beginning to conduct, and we did it with them, and we added Fishman, and we had like five other musicians kind of jump on top of it, and it was okay, but I didn't, as a conductor, I wasn't ready for that moment i just you know i've i've often agreed to do things before i know if i can do it or not just to like i gotta say yes you know i mean come on i'm the yes guy but (laughs) but the idea is uh you know it's a deep collaboration where mo's gonna basically have you know they're gonna signal me uh whether they're in one of their songs or in a jam and then i'm gonna take over and kind of drive the ship for a while and then throw it back to them to drive for a while and kind of have it you know back and forth and kind of see what's going to happen. And we might add some extra special guests because I know that they have a bunch of friends that are going to be around. But the crux of the concept is, you know, an experiment of, uh, you know, them letting me just put them into into places that they wouldn't normally go. Yeah, that's that's great. One of, one of the things I've brought up in each podcast is that um, the collaborations at summer camp are are so exciting yeah. Um, just because there's so many great musicians that could hop in with anybody at any point. And, 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 and your band is like a collaboration every time. But that's exciting. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure what Mo EO meant, if it meant, you know, them as a base with other people or, or if, it, if it meant them and you conducting them, which it sounds more like it is. And then there might be some people sitting in. Yep. That's kind of what it is. Cool. I, I mean, do you... How do you prepare for something like that? You just listen to a bunch of their music, and or or do you just kind of know already their their strengths and their personalities? Or I I'm not exactly sure. You know the the preparations just in the concept and and being connected to the players and making sure everyone's on board and everyone's present. And you know I need to be really nimble and to be able to react to what to what they're doing. You know, um, I don't claim that this will be like better than any uh regular mo show it's just going to be different i guarantee that and you know and they've been doing it how many years i mean 25 20 i mean a long time so to be pushed outside your comfort zone artistically i think is something that is is like a it's a survival technique for artists and i think it's really healthy uh and so they're you know they're definitely they're going into a vulnerable state by asking me to do this uh, of which I'm totally honored, but I really think that um, it's going to be an epic collaboration. I think some stuff's going to happen. It's going to be probably a little bit of um, there's going to be some hilarious things, and there's going to be some just unbelievable, seriously epic, wicked jams. Yeah, and I, I I can't think of a better place for it. I mean, Mo is 
most part of the base of summer camp. I mean, uh, they were, you know, in- instrumental in starting the whole festival. So, yep. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, thank you so much. I, I know you're a busy guy. Uh, you've uh, you, you've got some shows coming up this weekend, which will be long done by the time this podcast airs. But then uh, um, you've got uh, the festival season coming up after that. You'll be at Electric Forest Tumble Down Festival in Vermont and the Big What, which is in North Carolina. Yep. And I want to thank you for six years of camp and for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you, dude. Great to talk to you. And for the listeners, you can find more about the Everyone Orchestra at everyoneorchestra.com. And Matt's also on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and YouTube and Bandcamp and all that good stuff. So, uh, yeah, thanks a lot, Matt. We'll, uh, We'll see you at camp. All right. Take care. That was a clip of the Everyone Orchestra from Summer Camp 2011 in the barn, of course. Uh, that little guitar jam gem was Eddie Roberts of the New Master Sounds and Al Schneer of Moe. A hell of a set, and that's up on YouTube if you search How Lucky We Are, Everyone Orchestra, Summer Camp 2011. Uh, we're going to move on to the jam of the week with one of the men that was in that particular Everyone Orchestra, Kyle Hollingsworth who plays keys and sings for uh, String Cheese Incident, and he'll be at Summer Camp 2017 with his own band again. Uh, They'll be playing a late-night show on the Campfire stage from 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. on Friday night. And then they'll be at the VIP tent again this year from 4 to 5 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, That's May 27th, 2017. Our Jam of the Week is from May 28th, 2016 in the VIP Lounge. Here is Kyle Hollingsworth Band performing Let's Go Outside and and taking that into the Who's Eminence Front. And that's going to be it for my pre-festival podcast for 2017. Uh, I'll be back in a couple weeks with a follow-up to Summer Camp 2017. Uh, Be good to each other out there. Look out for each other. Have fun. I'll see you at home. What you thought is not what it seems. The trade is made.